Before we start this episode, I would like to tell you about Crop Tops. Crop Tops is an apparel company creating funny parody t-shirts with your favorite Disney and video game characters. Visit croptops.com to purchase your very own light and comfortable gym shirt. Use code EATRIGHT at checkout, E-A-T-R-I-T-E, and save 10%. That's croptops.com, K-R-O-P-P-T-O-P-S.com. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're going to talk about menopause and fat loss. All right, so let's kick off this episode. Okay. Let's talk about menopause. Let's talk about what menopause is. Nicole, uh, let's start with, let's talk about menopause. What is menopause? Menopause is basically when you lose your menstrual cycle. And when do you lose your menstrual cycle? Well, you have perimenopause, which is kind of leading up to it. it can start anywhere between the ages of 40 and 45, and it can last two to five years. But roughly, menopause itself starts around 50. For most women. Okay. So perimenopause is anywhere from one to two years leading up mm-hmm. to your menstrual cycle. And what's happening during that time? Well, you start the basic symptoms. Well, I shouldn't say basic symptoms, but every woman starts to feel some of the symptoms. Like even your period could start to change. You miss periods during certain months. It can start to slow down. It can get heavy. You can start to experience hot flashes, all kinds of different kind of symptoms, but they're spotty. Like they just start to happen. You start to notice things change. Then when you actually get into menopause, those changes get more aggressive and you actually start to lose your period more months in a row. And ultimately you have gone through and completed menopause when you've had 12 months in a row of no menstrual cycle. So you've had 12 months in a row of no menstrual cycle and you know that that's it. You're not having the change is over. Anymore. The shift now, is done. Now you can go 11 months and then on Get the 12th month, mm-hmm. have it and mm-hmm. then start all over again. You got to start that 12 month cycle again. Yeah, I think from what I've experienced, so I work with a lot of menopausal women. The first 11, like if that's to happen, you know, that shift can be a light period on that 12th month and you just, it, it continues to just get lighter and lighter and less and less. And those symptoms get less and less. And then once those 12 months are over, you're basically, the shift is done. The hormones kind of hit that plateau and you kind of coast along. You and I have had conversations around where I've called you and I'm like, Nicole, help, my client's going through menopause. What do I do? (laughs) And uh, one of the things that you said to me a while ago, a couple of years back was there's obviously like a a hereditary aspect to it Mm -hmm. where so if you look at your mother Yes. And how she went through menopause, that's typically what you're going to go through and the way you're going to go through it as well? Most of the time. I mean, I have these discussions with my mom now because I'm turning 47 in October and she went through menopause between 50 and 55. So part of the reason why we're even having this discussion is a lot of women are afraid to talk about this. A lot of women are afraid to talk about this with their mother or even their grandmother or aunts. Like you can talk to your family members and get a lot of information on how they have gone through it. 
to get an idea of what you'll experience. But one of the factors that's different even from my mother and me is my mother never was on hormonal birth control pills. My mother never did hormone replacement therapy during the time. She never took any supplementation. She never lifted weights. Like She had such a different lifestyle than I lead that my I mean, I can get the information from her to get an idea of what I will expect, but because my lifestyle has been so different, it may actually be a little bit different for me. I definitely have started experiencing perimenopausal symptoms. (laughs) You have definitely been on the other side of some of my moody phone calls (laughs) Um, and some of my mood swings, but it's not terribly bad, but I just have definitely noticed some of those changes. (laughs) You're laughing at me. (laughs) It's not terribly bad unless you're me on the other side of it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, so there's some hereditary aspects and then there's obviously some environmental factors that mm-hmm. the environment that you create, your exercise, right. your habits throughout your lifestyle that may uh, contribute to how you experience that as a personal individual. Yeah. Let's jump into what's actually happening inside of the body, right? So now there is a way to measure that once you're done with menopause. Is that something women typically do? I don't think so. I mean, unless you're actually going to the doctor and getting your hormones checked, not typically, or not that I've experienced anyway. So just to talk about that, uh, your follicle stimulating hormone goes up and if it's elevated above 30 Mm -hmm. milli IUs per milliliter, then Mm -hmm. that's a way to tell like, okay, you're in menopause. And when you're going through menopause, my understanding is that it's tough to measure because you've got yeah. all these hormones moving around and shifting on a mm-hmm. daily or even hourly basis. So there's no way of really saying, hey, you're going through menopause aside from the key symptoms that symptoms. we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes it difficult to also track and measure. You know, you kind of, they call it a shift for a reason. You're just kind of holding on and... <laughs> and hoping that things just are not as aggressive. It's like being on a boat. The waves aren't too big and they don't throw you off. You can kind of balance and hang on, feel okay. So let's talk about what's going on during or, or after menopause. Let's talk about what's happening and the, and the shift and the changes are ha- happening in the body. Mm-hmm. You've got a decrease in estrogen levels. Yes. So that decrease in estrogen level is what is going to dictate where you're storing fat. Mm-hmm. You can store more fat, but it's with the shift in estrogen. Estrogen is what drives fat storage into the hips, the thighs, and the butt. Right. And after the menopause drops, postmenopausal, you're going to have a change in fat distribution and it's going to be a lot easier to store fat in the midsection. Correct. This is one of the biggest complaints, I guess, or symptom that women complain about when they're in menopause. A lot of women can kind of deal with the hot flashes. We sometimes deal with that anyway, just during our cycle, Um, the moodiness and lack of sleep. Like those are also other symptoms. But the biggest one, I think, from a physical standpoint, especially in fitness, is the distribution of body fat. Right. So we not only have distribution of body fat changes, but we also have a lower resting metabolic rate. Mm hmm which Nicole, you and I calculated that last night using the Mifflin equation and we put in age. So I put in all your information into the Mifflin equation Mm -hmm. and it spit out a number of calories, which was basal metabolic rate of 1200 calories per day. So at rest, if you were just to lie in bed and just lay there and be and exist, 
how many calories does it take you to sustain life? That's what resting metabolic rate is. Mm -hmm. And we determined for 30-year-old Nicole, that was 1,200 calories. And for 60-year-old Nicole, that would be about 1,000 calories. Right. So there is a factor in that equation for the changes in basal metabolic rate. And that is something that women need to keep in mind is that you're going to have to eat a little bit less postmenopausal. Mm-hmm. Now, what you and I find from a coaching standpoint is women will tend to make drastic changes to try and accommodate all the changes that are going on in their body. Right. And I mean, think about it. It's a 200 calorie difference really isn't that much. And I think one of the mistakes women make is that drastic change, especially in terms of calories, they'll go down 500, 600, 700 calories. And it's almost too great of a deficit, which on the flip side of that can actually make your menopausal symptoms worse if you're being too aggressive. So you have to be careful with how crazy you go with calories. It's a small amount. I mean, it just goes with everything else that we talk about in terms of creating a deficit. You want to start off small and then go down from there. And menopause is no different. The one thing I wanted to say about menopause in general is women make it out to be like menopause is, I mean, listen, it's not a, it's not fun. It's hard to go through, but it does not have to be so torturous if you are methodical about the steps that you're taking to create the changes that you need to change to get through it. You know, so you still need to eat, you still need to fuel your body, all of the normal kind of things that we talk about in terms of lifestyle. Yeah. And the other things that are going on. So we talked about estrogen decreasing and we've got changes in fat distribution. And then we've also got a lower resting metabolic rate, which is slightly lower. It's not too crazy. Uh, it's not, it's not a ton. And then we've got the fact that estrogen is going down because estrogen is cardioprotective. You've got an increased risk for cardiovascular disease. So that's yeah. something that you definitely want to look at. You've got a potential for increased uh, LDL cholesterol or low density lipoprotein. Mm-hmm. And you want to look at that and make sure that the types of fats that you're eating are good fats and you want to watch your sugar intake postmenopausal. That's something that you want to do anyway, even right. premenopausal, but it's something that you definitely want to pay even closer attention to postmenopausal. Right. So with the fats that you're eating, you want to look at lots of monounsaturated fatty acids. You want to check your uh, intake of refined seed oils, make sure you're not over-consuming that, making sure you're supplementing with some omega-3 fatty acids. If if you do have a ton of refined seed oils in your diet, you do want to have that balance of omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids. So supplementing with a fish oil supplement or taking it a step even further, what's even better for you is just eating more fish. Yeah. So there's a recommendation there. And also you're at an increased risk for osteoporosis, which I think as anybody ages, the the risk increases. What typically happens with bone density is by the time you're 30 years old, you've reached pretty much your maximum potential for bone density. Mm -hmm. And then you're in this kind of maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older and for women, when you're postmenopausal, that's when you start to lose more bone than you're restoring. Right. And then that's where you're at risk. So the biggest piece to that for me is what have you done in your younger years right. to set yourself up for that? Yep. 
not only from a bone perspective, also from a metabolic perspective, but from a bone perspective, have you been getting adequate calcium in your diet? Have you been getting adequate vitamin D or adequate sunlight? Right. Have you been doing resistance training is a big one. And if you haven't done any of those things in the years, in your younger years leading up to 30, women between 18 to 30, you need to be doing resistance training to prevent these things from happening later on. Right. So Nicole, you and I talked about taking a offensive approach versus taking the defense later on. You don't want to get into menopause and then be like, oh shit, here I am. Now I have to start lifting weights. Not that it's bad that you do that. If, if you're in that position, get in the gym and start lifting weights. But obviously it's to your advantage to make that a priority within your lifestyle prior to. Yeah. So if you want to prevent these things from happening, you want to live that healthy lifestyle leading up to that, right? Mm -hmm. Menopause is inevitable. It's going to happen. So you want to take the offense approach where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, well, I'm lifting weights throughout my life cycle. Mm -hmm. I'm getting adequate nutrients throughout my life cycle. I'm eating mm -hmm. adequate protein uh, to build lean muscle. One of the best things yeah. to me to prevent osteoporosis for men or women is going to be consuming protein and doing resistance training. Yeah. So you want to set yourself up for that. You don't want to be later on on the defense like, oh man, I'm at a greater risk or, oh man, I already have osteoporosis. Now what do I do to prevent further breakdown of your bones? Because mm -hmm. at that point, your bones are going to break down at a faster rate just because yeah. of your age and, yeah. and the stage of your life that you're in. Exactly. So again, you'll probably hear us say it in every podcast, ladies, lift your weights, <laughs> eat your protein, take care of your body basically. Take care of your body throughout the life cycle. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that happens during that time is uh, the insulin resistance piece. Yeah, it's a big one. So, Nicole, can you tell me about insulin resistance? It basically downregulates um, and it makes it easier for your body to store fat. And I think it's one of the biggest concerns that women have. A lot of women will come in thinking, you know, this is something I have to, again, be aware of now. And so this is kind of where women in menopause start cutting out carbohydrates. And I think that's something that, I mean, I talk to my, all my female clients about more cruciferous vegetables. We talk about that kind of leading into when you hit your forties and getting all those phytonutrients. So you want to be able to still eat carbohydrates, but insulin resistant is something that females go through. So it's something to take into consideration. You probably will have to make some changes within the structure of your food plan. So the insulin resistance, essentially what happens is the receptor that takes in insulin, which the insulin couples with carbohydrates. So insulin will bind to carbohydrates in your bloodstream. And then the insulin receptor will take in the carbohydrate along with insulin. You need insulin to be able to take that into the cell. What's going to happen is that muscle cell or that liver cell or wherever that insulin receptor is, it downregulates. So essentially what happens is that cell will not be able to absorb the carbohydrate along with the insulin. So what's going to happen is your body is going to convert that carbohydrate or that sugar molecule into fat to store it as stored body fat. So you've got all of these changes going on in your body that are going to push you in a less favorable direction. But like I said, 
before, like we were talking about, is if you're prepared for that leading into it, it shouldn't, it's not going to be that difficult of a process for you. So the important piece to note here is there's a couple of things that will also affect your insulin receptors. Now, one thing is resistance training or lifting weights is one of the best ways to upregulate your insulin receptors and get them working and absorbing carbohydrates. Another thing to do is watch your sugar intake and make sure you're not consuming too many added sugars, right? You can get your mm -hmm. sugars from fruit and stuff like that, but make sure that you're, you're limiting your added sugar intake. So mm -hmm. processed refined foods uh, with extra sugar in them, make sure you're, you're conscious and you're aware of those things. You're not eating too many snack foods. I mean, things that you shouldn't be doing on a, on a anyway. basis anyway. Right. Uh, but you want to be a little bit more diligent with those things leading up to menopause. Right. And then anything sleep. else on sleep, uh, insulin sleep, receptors? Sleep. Oh, no. Well, sleep actually is part of that too, though. I mean, one of the biggest concerns that females in menopause have, or complaints or symptoms is, is sleep disturbances, hands down. Yeah, so I think the sleep disturbances is, is coupled with night sweats in some cases, but yeah. it seems like in other cases, even without night sweats, you have trouble sleeping. Absolutely. Like insomnia, you just cannot. You can't sleep. Can't sleep at all. I've experienced that even in my 40s, to be honest with you. Well, you're I an old lady. I gave up caffeine. <laughs> I'm not an old lady. <laughs> but but the, we talked about caffeine. Well, we should talk about caffeine because one of the reasons why I gave caffeine up, which we've talked about before, is because it was starting to disrupt my sleep, which had, it had not done that in the past. Um, so I haven't had coffee. So speaking about caffeine and coffee, uh, the hot flashes and the night sweats. Yes, definitely are triggered. Co coffee, hot coffee or hot beverages, hot tea, things like that, that mm -hmm. uh, a, a woman would typically drink in the evening. It's calming. Yeah. It's relaxing. It actually may, may your... be it may be a trigger for hot flashes and night sweats and also spicy foods and caffeine in general. And so is wine, actually, which I know the ladies don't like to hear me talk about wine, but wine definitely it increases your um, body temperature. Yeah. So increasing your core body temperature, which is what happens when you're having those uh, night sweats. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking like you sweat like a workout when we say night sweats or hot flashes. I mean, literally, you're soaking wet, waking up in a pool of sweat, and literally you have to shower. It's that like... That sounds like fun. It's a blast. <laughs> uh, and then one of the recommendations that I'd make for that is sleep in a cool room, which you should be doing anyway. <laughs> yes. Because the research that we have on sleep is you get the optimal sleep in a cooler environment. Mm-hmm. So 68 is like the number for me. Yeah, I would even go lower sometimes, 62, 65 on those hot nights. You're crazy. I'm sorry. It's, 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 it comes on fast. <laughs> the other thing with symptoms. There are lots of symptoms that change even in your vaginal flora and your gut flora, I think are two that I would kind of bring up next. Some women can have different changes in foods that, you know, before they could tolerate that they may not be able to tolerate now. And then from a vaginal standpoint, vaginal dryness, like your entire gut and vaginal flora can change. It shifts along with that rise and fall of hormones. Totally normal. A lot of women are really afraid to talk about that, but it happens and it's, you know, it's part of the process and the shift. There's nothing to be ashamed about or embarrassed about. You just have to make changes like you would in your food plan and your sleep hygiene. You know, things start to just shift and change. I wonder what um, 
Cardi B is going to be singing postmenopausal. <laughs> It'll be a DAP instead of a WAP. <laughs> so, but that's okay. There's stuff to take care of that. So we'll, you're good. We've got all of those changes going on in the body, which are completely normal, and they're going to have, they're going to happen, yes. and it's inevitable. So these are things that I feel women should prepare for throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And like we said, take that offensive approach. Right. And work towards building strong bones when you're younger, when you can, when you're replenishing more bones than you're re- depleting. Mm-hmm. Work towards doing that resistance training, work towards eating healthy. If you're going into menopause with a higher body fat percentage, it's going to be a little bit harder. If you're going in on the leaner side already, all right, great. Let's pivot and make some changes because of the changes in your resting metabolic rate Mm -hmm. and the insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity and all the other things going on, the drop in estrogen. Yeah. So the biggest thing you can do leading into menopause is be prepared, come prepared. Mm -hmm. If you're already in menopause, what you'd want to do is Potentially a starting point would be do something like a Mifflin equation. Now, if you're logging in a food journal and you're using MyFitnessPal, they use the Mifflin equation. So they'll tell you the amount of calories and anything with calories is going to be the best guess. It's going to be an estimate. So mm-hmm. we're going to try that. And I'm not saying try that for a week, try it for a month or two and see where that deficit puts you. And then from there, we make changes and shift. And one of the most important things to note is that because you're insulin resistant, it doesn't mean to cut out carbohydrates. Right. Still want a moderate amount of carbohydrates because keep in mind that it's a lot easier to lose muscle mass Mm -hmm. after menopause. And if you want to keep your bones strong and you want to keep your resting metabolic rate elevated as much as you can, Mm -hmm. you want to preserve as much muscle as you can. So two key things that you're going to need to preserve muscle or to even build muscle because you can still build muscle after menopause. The two things that you're going to want to focus on is one, getting adequate protein, Mm -hmm. which to me looks like about a gram of protein per pound of body weight. Absolutely. Then you want to build your carbs and your fats and you want to get a moderate amount of carbohydrates, which Nicole, I'd say maybe 30, 40% of your total caloric intake. Yeah. And you can, you know, you can play with it. You start out there, like we talked about before, and then you can make changes as you go. I think the one of the biggest um, takeaways is it's not impossible to lose weight during menopause. It's not impossible to make changes during menopause. They just may not be the changes that you want to make, but it's absolutely doable. And a lot of women asked us to do this podcast on this topic And I think some of them are waiting for this magical response that you and I are going to come up with like the secret behind menopause and getting rid of belly fat and kind of avoiding these symptoms. The bottom line is there is no secret. (laughs) The secret is eat well, get your lifts in, you know, work on your sleep. And like you said, come in ahead of the game. And if you end up not ahead of the game and you're in it, these are all the same things that you're going to implement into your lifestyle. It's lifestyle change is going to be the main focus. So that, ladies, is the secret. (laughs) There's no magical unicorn that's going to pop up and be like, 
take this supplement, use these fat burners or things. None of that stuff is going to work. You have to be good to your body and ideally hire a coach and have them help you make those methodical changes as you go through. Um, Because a lot of the symptoms do tend to change as your cycle changes or your symptoms kind of fluctuate from one to the other, then you can make changes as you go within your food plan and your workouts. And I think walking is another thing that we should bring up in terms of cardiovascular. It's probably one of the biggest things that I have all my female clients do, no matter what age, but for my menopausal women, it's great to help you sleep. It's gentle, so it's not aggressive, great for that cardiac piece and from a stress standpoint as well. So, Well, I think also what a lot of people do, women, men, whoever, is they're like, I've, I've been so good. I've been getting my workouts in. I've been doing cardio and I'm not getting the results that I need to get. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you're working out for an hour a day. And what are you doing for the rest of the day? Mm-hmm. You should be physically active throughout the day. Well, people don't understand with physical activity is it's not just, we go to the gym now because of modern life, modern society, and and the way that our culture is today is we have a gym and that's where we do our physical activity. Where if you think way back to a, you know, like a paleolithic time where we we adapted and we evolved to move a lot. Mm-hmm. And thinking that you're just going to get in the gym for an hour a day and you're going to yeah. be in and out and you're going to get tremendous results, it's yeah. not enough. So that's for me where steps come in and I say, you need to track your steps and you need to make sure that you're physically active most of the day because that's going to help you to burn more calories. Yeah. You can't just rely on that one hour that you're coming into the gym and think, okay, great, problem solved. I worked out. You're not going to get the results that you want. You need yeah. to be mostly physically active throughout most of your day. Mm-hmm. If you work a desk job, it might be a little bit harder. But after work, if you've got a dog, walk your dog. If you have a set a timer when you're at your desk and every hour on the hour, walk for 10 minutes. Like it adds up throughout the day. You just have to move. You have to move throughout the day. So that's an important piece is you want to essentially when you go through menopause, you want to move more and you want to eat a little bit less, maybe like 200 calories less than what your deficit would have been before. Yeah. It depends on the woman and where you're entering in, in terms of calories and the breakdown of those calories and the quality of the food. But ultimately, yeah, you, you're going to have to make some changes. For some women, it'll be a little more aggressive. and some women, it may not be as aggressive to your point if they're already going in lean. But I think what's interesting from a mindset or mental standpoint or psychological standpoint, menopause is really hard on women because our bodies change without our control. You know, like things start to change and you have no control over those changes. So we look at outside things to try and slow it down or speed it up or stop it or not experience it. And, you know, a lot of the things I talk to my clients about from a mental side is it, like you said earlier, it's happening. We're here. We're going to get through it together. (laughs) Like don't freak out, just stick to the lifestyle changes that we need to make. And you will be okay and you'll get through it. And when you get to the other side, the goal is to come out of that stronger physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those things. I mean, we've had clients that have been in better shape postmenopausal than they have their entire 100%. lives. 100%. Listen, this is why, you know, people laughed at me when I wanted to do a bikini show at 40, but I'm telling you, part of the reason why I was ready to do it at that age was I was going in wholehearted, like, 
I'm not, I'm not letting go just because I'm 40. I'm going to push. I want to see what I can do with my body. I want to be able to be the best I can as strong. How, what type of changes can I make? You know, set goals. That's the other thing too, that I really try and talk to my female clients about is set PRs, set new goals for yourself so that you're really not focusing on all of the other parts of what's changing in your body. And you actually can focus on positive things that you can change instead of kind of I hate to right. say this and little tough love, like, woe is me that you're going through it. I mean, you're going to go through it. Like, let's take a, I'm going to say, action. I'm going to say, two, I'm going to add two things in there, right? The first thing, one thing is that you said, set P, set the PRs, right? Set mm -hmm. strength PRs, do yeah. deadlifts, do squats, get stronger because the stronger you get, the less bone mass you're going to lose. Yep. The other thing I'm going to say is for you competing at 40, and this is what I tell women all the time when they approach 40 is, mm -hmm. Women and men in the sport of bodybuilding are very different in that men peak in their 30s and they're right. done in their 40s. And women have the best physiques. All the top women female yeah. competitors, they have the best physiques in their 40s. 40 is the mm -hmm. prime time to be a competitor. Oh, see? So I was before my time. It was, it was great. It's great. And then uh, the other thing you can do is focus on vegetable intake to feed your microbiome, which will help mm -hmm. with, yeah. uh, which will help with serotonin and mood because 95% yeah. of your serotonin is produced in the gut. So making sure you're feeding that good, healthy bacteria. Mm -hmm. And on the counter side of that is making sure that you're not consuming, like we said before, for other reasons with the insulin sensitivity, uh, not feeding the bad bacteria right. with excess added sugars or mm -hmm. a lot of processed refined foods. Yeah. And again, those are normal balances and changes that we would make throughout any staple part of your life or cycle of your life. So yeah, that, depending that's what on it the comes person. Down to. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now supplements, the only thing I can say supplement wise is maybe if you're starting to lose bone density and your doctor would probably already tell you about this is supplement with a calcium supplement mm -hmm. and a vitamin D or a calcium and D together. If mm -hmm. you're going to take vitamin D, it is a fat soluble vitamin. So make sure you take it with a meal, particularly a meal with some kind of fat in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the calcium that I generally recommend is a calcium citrate because it has a higher bioavailability than a calcium carbonate, which is essentially like eating Tums. That's what Tums are made out of, they're calcium carbonate. Um, so I say take a calcium supplement with a higher bioavailability once you've reached that point. And there are supplements that there's you know, proponents that'll say like evening primrose oil. I looked into it. There's nothing to support any of that. And there's black cohosh, and there's a tiny bit to support a very small change in hot flashes, which to me is negligible and it's not going to make that much of a difference. Those are small marker movers as far as I'm concerned. The biggest you know. thing that you need to do is focus on your nutrition, focus on your sleep, mm -hmm. focus on your stress, focus on your activity. Yeah. So just to recap, changes you're going to be going through they're normal biggest thing you want to do is come prepared if you're listening to this and you're not in menopause yet just start shifting your mindset to this is something that is going to happen so i want to be ready and i want to be the best me going into it and if you're having trouble definitely reach out and we can help yeah shoot us a dm at eat right nutrition on Instagram, that's E-A-T-R-I-T-E, -E, nutrition. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, comment, and you'll hear us next week. <laughs>